Beautiful people, yes. Welcome back. Oh, it feels nice to be recording an intro. I'm taking the reins for this episode as Felix is in the world of plant diets right now. Taking a step back, taking a breather. He'll just be offline for another week. Um, but this episode is actually all about that, all about the importance of taking space, taking a step back, taking a breather. In this episode, I discuss my recent struggles with, well, maybe you would call it a midlife crisis. <laughs> when Felix said that, I was, I was thinking, man, am I that guy now all of a sudden, midlife crisis? I guess I fit the, fit the age category, I'm 40. And a midlife crisis generally involves one's questioning of their purpose and how they're spending their time in life. And yeah, I could say that that's basically what, <laughs> what I'd been experiencing. Uh, but it's funny how things can shift. Um, you know, uh, when we recorded this episode, I think I was kind of coming out of a several weeks long just funk, uh, funk, questioning my purpose, what am I doing with my time, not particularly enjoying some of the work that I've been doing uh, for money. Um, and our conversation actually was really helpful. Um, firstly, it just brought to my awareness the need that I have to just step back, to take a break to take a breather. And so from that episode, I decided that I'm going to go into my own diet. I haven't dieted uh, a plant in, boy, it's probably been three years now since my last true diet. Uh, and Felix and I have talked about plant diets in several episodes, and we talk a bit about it again in this one. But essentially a plant diet in an Amazonian plant medicine tradition means spending a period of time, sometimes it's a week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes longer, uh, in isolation, in solitude, in quiet, uh, drinking the medicine of a specific plant while following a fairly strict uh, nutritional and activity diet protocol. So basically eating super bland foods and not consuming any media, not sometimes not reading any books, just really just being with oneself. And the plant that you're drinking, the intention of the diet is to really connect deeply with that plant, with its energy, and also to 
uh, shine a light on, you know, uh, misalignments, energetic misalignments within. So uh, misalignments of the heart, the mind, and spirit. And bringing all of that back into alignment, it's also uh, a time to detoxify the body, not just physically, but uh, energetically as well. So uh, a lot of diets are very physical, can be quite purgative sometimes. Uh, it depends on the lineage, you know, and tradition you're dieting in, but it's really a deep dive within. It's a cleanse, it's a clearing. And for me, it's also a chance to just step away from my current routines and habits and get a breather, get some perspective, clean my body, clean my mind. And it's really deeply called for right now. And the recognition of this for me came through our chat and talking to Felix, who is currently in a diet. So uh, amazing tools. These plants are amazing supports. And you know, what I got from this episode is just a recognition of the importance of self-care, the importance of taking space. Uh, and, you know, taking space doesn't have to be a plant diet. It can be a one-week just meditation retreat that, you know, self-directed. So just turning off all digital phones and computers, um, just maybe even hiding them, and just staying in a in, in your room and going outside, Um and eating really healthy foods, but just like no distractions, no input, no input of information, uh, that can be hard. <laughs> Simply the detox from media and electronics for me is challenging for the first couple of days, but once I get through the withdrawals, uh, a certain clarity emerges and a a peace and a reconnection to something that feels much better than all day long in front of the computer consuming media and working and all of that so super grateful for the opportunity to have my diet and uh kind of the last chance uh for a while to do something like this as my wife and i have a baby coming in just like three months from now so it's coming up quick so I'm recognizing I want to do this diet uh, to really also prepare myself mentally physically emotionally for this whole new chapter on the way so that's that's what this episode's all about uh, it's good to be back it's good to be recording again I just want to thank all of our supporters again uh, for your patience while we took a break and uh in this episode, we also answer a supporter's question uh, who was inquiring about uh, rawininti. So rawininti is a Shipibo word for um, like perfumes. They make special perfumes with different intentions uh, that, you know, a person can make in the comfort of their own home. So we talk a bit about that as well. So to all of our supporters out there, feel free to email us questions or suggestions anytime of things you would like us to discuss that we might be able to provide some insight and share our knowledge about. We're always happy to do that, happy to interact with all of you, our amazing listeners on Beyond Words. And so, yes, uh, if you're not part of our uh, little group of supporters, you can find us on locals.com. So it's beyondwords.locals.com. 
and uh, you can join our community there uh, either as just a member of the community or you can be a supporter which means you know for a small contribution each month uh, you get to support this podcast and also get access to early release of episodes and uh, the opportunity to guide the conversation to ask questions and yeah simply just being a part of this sangha this community of listeners so find us there beyondwords.locals.com if you are haven't done this yet, please just take a moment to pause the episode and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts uh, and subscribe and hit the notification button. I think you can do that. Anyway, you know, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're on. Leave a review. These things are helpful to get the podcast uh, in line with all these algorithms so people can find it more easily. Okay, I think that's that. This is an intro. Wow. All right, everybody. We love you. Thanks for listening. And here we go for episode. I don't know what number it is, but it's going to be awesome. Actually, there's one more thing I want to share. Uh, my wife, Marta, has just released her first book. It's called Miracles from the Abyss by Marta Wonderlust, and you can find it on Amazon, on Kindle, or you can order a print copy. And I'm just so proud of my wife. She wrote this amazing book. And even if this was a book written by someone I didn't know, I would still call this an amazing book. It's uh, her story, uh, basically through, you know, going into the abyss, uh, hitting rock bottom in her life. It's a journey through addiction and then all of the practices and uh, medicines that saved her, that, that brought her back, that helped her find her way. And um, it's, it's incredible. So she wrote this amazing story and I'm just so happy to share about it. I think a lot of our listeners here will really enjoy this, this book. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit about plant medicine. That was a key part of her journey. Um, and she just shares so beautifully, so eloquently. So, uh, if you want a good read, a really, not only entertaining read, but a useful read, a read that will leave you with tools and insights and understanding that she is sharing. So, uh, yeah, so I'm promoting my wife's book. It's called Miracles from the Abyss. You can find it on Amazon, all over the world. It's on Kindle. And you can also order a print copy. All right, that's that. Enjoy the episode. Okay, we are recording, and I miss our intro song. It's just, maybe we can, like, we can just steal Joe Rogan's intro. Train by day, beyond words podcast by night, all day. <laughs> all night. <laughs> well, he used to say, I remember the beginning of his was like, uh, 
welcome back freak bitches or something like that each each episode yeah he was that always, initial that was kind of like his tagline yeah uh, yeah i was just listening to an episode of the joe rogan podcast from like january where he's talking to this guy justin wren who's a uh he's an mma fighter but he's also like a huge he has this huge charity called fight for the forgotten and they mm. help pygmies in the congo which is the part of Africa like that I lived in. It's also near Gabon where I was last year. And man, his stories are pretty heartbreaking, man, from like the pygmies there, how they're treated by the government and by the people there. And they're just like, yeah, there's their, their rights are totally stripped away. They're they're They get no support from anyone. So he like, he raises money and, and uh, yeah, sometimes when I'm, in my own suffering, I hear those stories. I'm like, shit, man, I'm actually really grateful <laughs> for, for what I have. It makes me feel, yeah, it makes me feel also kind of, kind of weak for like suffering with my circumstances, <laughs> you know, when I, and when I hear about, you know, and I lived in Africa, I've seen, I've seen how it is there. And uh, those people smile more than most people I know, and they have a much harder life, at least materially, you know, so, so anyway, that was a good episode. Uh, and it's nice to see you, Felix. Nice to see you as well, Al. So how does he, how does he support them? Like what does he provide schools or? Yeah, he raises like... money. So he uses his kind of name to raise money and, uh, and then he, but he's often there. He's like pretty much living with them in the ghettos and building schools, building wells. They just bought like a big piece of land to get them. <clears throat> They were like confined to a, such a tiny piece of land somewhere that they had to bury their own dead under themselves, under their own land where they're living. Like there's no space to even bury people. And so he got them like some new land and is like building schools and hospitals and just like trying to help these people. I don't know how it all started, but, um, but you know, in the episode he was talking about now his own like PTSD from just the experiences, the shit he's seen there and how he's got a, you know, kind of heal himself right now too, because he gives everything to that project. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to see people, you know, suffering like that. And, and it's like that here, you know, in Wadan too, there's quite a wealth gap yeah. between us and our neighbors. Like my neighbors, they don't have running water or a bathroom or anything like that. And oftentimes actually use the field behind our house to use the restroom. And, and it's funny, there's, there's times I complain about my one bathroom in my house, but I'm like, I still have hot water, a shower, a yeah. toilet, you know, like it's pretty, I have it pretty good, but at the same time, they seem so happy. They seem so at peace with their life. They're, it's not overcomplicated by the things they need uh, or, you know, they have the things they need. They don't think beyond that. Um, or maybe they do. I, I'm, I'm making an assumption. It's funny. I, I was actually listening to, to Alan Watts this morning, Alan, and, <laughs> and he was talking about fear and like facing fear and how fear is like an onion. And initially we can start digging and finding what it is that's actually causing us this fear. And the first layers that we're digging through, we're like, oh, we're getting to the source. We're getting to the source. And we keep finding new layers of the onion. And at the core of the onion, we find this little itty bitty ball of onion. And he said, 
you know, even if we've tackled the larger onion, for some reason, once we've got to the spiny, tiny seed of the onion, we zoom into it and make it big again. And so it's another big onion that we have to dig through. We never actually get rid of fear by trying to find the source of fear. He was talking about getting into the vibe of fear. And one of the things he said is like, you know, maybe initially in our lifetime, we, we really worry about money. We worry about accumulating things, having enough food, so forth and so on. He said, but once that's taken care of, we create a new fear. And just because that initial fear of, you know, lack of money or lack of uh, food or whatever it is, is so strong. Once we've overcome that, our next fear is, what if somebody breaks in and takes my money? What if somebody takes all my new gadgets and gizmos and, you know, material objects never find a, a solid way to disperse fear? You know, and, and I think to some degree, these poorer communities, they actually understand that without, you know, that being like a conscious knowing. Uh, I think of when I go to the Shipibo villages, they don't, they're not super wealthy. They're not, you know, rolling in the dough. They don't have big cars and TVs. Some of them have TVs, but they're mostly out fishing or sitting on the, you know, the front of the river talking to each other. Like everyone's laughing. Everyone's telling jokes. Everyone's like, it just seems so happy. Yeah. And I'm sure they have their struggles. I don't want to make the assumption that there are no struggles, no. but the struggles seem less with that preoccupation of whatever material level. Something that, uh, that I have a tendency to do, I think a lot of people do is like, you know, just kind of like I mentioned in the beginning is, you know, I'm suffering and then I see a really poor society and the people and the material struggle they go through. And then, and then, and then I beat myself up over complaining because look, well, look what I have, you know, I'm, you know, my suffering is nothing compared to theirs. And, but, you know, I think that's kind of a faulty, uh, faulty judgment. It's like, you know, people who, who would say that are basically ascribing all of the value and importance in human life to your material wealth. And that's clearly proven that that has nothing to do with happiness. And so, you know, I think it's really important to not, to not judge someone's suffering by, you know, whether they're the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world uh, materially. Uh, it really doesn't matter. So, um, suffering is suffering and it's true you know as biggie smalls would say mo money mo problems i think that's there's a lot to that as well and it's i don't know the exact statistics but i, I believe it's true that you know the highest suicide rates are actually in some of the wealthiest countries in the world materially so um so that, that's really interesting and um so yeah sometimes when i you know i've been having a rough couple of weeks and sometimes I beat myself up over like that I'm complaining or complaining to myself or that I'm struggling because you know I I shouldn't like who am I to be suffering I, I have an, a, a place to live and I have income and uh, you know materially I have everything I need I have a loving family and friends um, but suffering is suffering and there's no you know, I see it a lot too with facilitating people, people kind of judge themselves, you know, just like, who am I to be complaining? Like, well, 
I think that we all, we, we can't compare our suffering. Some people will say, oh, my trauma is nothing compared to that person's. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be suffering so much, you know, comparing trauma and yeah, it has nothing to do with any of that. It's all relative. And, you know, the Buddha, Buddha, uh, his whole journey to enlightenment started because he was suffering deeply while living in the most lavish conditions in the palace, you know, so in some ways, uh, the material wealth is like the gateway for us to heal. <laughs> uh, because we realize that no matter how much you have, it doesn't resolve the underlying root cause of suffering. So well, I think like, you, like you, <laughs> like you pointed at though, is like, the, it's not quantifiable. It's not, I think anytime we try to put a comparison on people's suffering, we it's it's impossible it's impossible to understand actually what the internal impacts of each moment's challenges bring to somebody uh for some people when there's and it, again not even just any kind of challenge comes into their life there's a this internal critic or this internal uh slave driver so to speak that just beats us to down as we have the smallest suffering or the largest suffering, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's how we treat ourselves inside and how we're facing each of those, those challenges. And man, for some people, you know, they can face one challenge. Like it's nothing. They can walk through it. Like they just walked through, you know, the mall, other people, it can be the same challenge and it's, it beats them to the core and brings them to their knees. And they're, you know, screaming in the middle of the field, crying to God. Um, yeah, I often remember, you know, seeing people that we'd facilitate and you'd hear their stories and you'd hear the challenges they've been through in their life and the pain they've been through in their life. And and then you hear the next person and they're like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. I really haven't had any challenges. And actually the people who have said, actually, it's been pretty good. I had no challenges. When we get further into the workshop, they're actually like, oh yeah, well, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened mm -hmm. to me, this happened to me. And I didn't realize the impact of those things. And I'm wondering if we, you know, as we do more medicine work, we choose to face the suffering more head on uh, as it comes up instead of letting it, you know, sit way back in our mind. We push, oh no, it's okay. It's okay. This thing's okay. And then we know 10 years down the road, Oh, here it is again to hit me in the face. Um, so yeah, again, it's not a quantifiable thing. It's it's a it's subjective, and you know, I I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what challenges you're facing in your in your new beginnings, uh, and I can't imagine. But that doesn't make it less, and that doesn't make anyone else's challenges easier or better, you know, uh, or how they face them. I think we can only face each challenge as we can face each challenge with what we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think about like my grandparents and, you know, these older generations who went through, you know, world war two and like huge external challenges. You know, my grandmother went from being quite wealthy to totally poor in the great depression and the things they faced and like that generation, like no one talked about their struggle. Like, it was kind of a taboo, like I seen as weak too, to just sit around and talk about <laughs> your struggles. And, you know, one way I would think that, oh, they were just, you know, maybe they were doing it right. They were super resilient and 
didn't give attention to their suffering. But the more I really consider it and observe is that uh, I think that they were just those generations just pushed down and repressed so much that their internal struggle was super strong and they would kind of mask it uh, or hide it or just repress it and push it away with, you know, that generation drank a shit ton of alcohol, at least, you know, from my family. And yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, I've had moments when going through my own process or facilitating people or there is this, critic in me that's like like why are we sitting around talking about our struggling like it's getting so old it's like are we actually perpetuating and increasing our struggle by giving it so much attention and talking about it all the time you know i think there is something to that i think for a while especially in like plant medicine circles some of us including myself we start to identify with our suffering to the point that it's like it's who i am you know and and everything is about our trauma and suffering. And so I think there's a healthy, uh, healthy balance where we can recognize it, but also not like, oh, be open to moving past it and letting it go rather than everything is always about trauma and suffering. And <laughs> this is who I am, you know? Uh, but yeah, the past few weeks, it certainly has felt that way. Like, it's been, yeah, the struggle is real uh, at this point in my life. And I don't know what's, you know, I, I could give all the reasons for it. Um, but they're like external reasons, you know, I think it also comes down to I'm suffering because I don't know, man. I don't know why I'm suffering. Maybe you can help me find out. <laughs> facilitate me live live facilitation no you don't uh, have to do that <laughs> no but uh, the, the going back to the thing you said about facilitating people and <clears throat> you know hearing people express their traumas that they've kind of gone through i remember being a, a pasajero and having to tell things that have happened in my life had it having to explain okay this is why i'm here this is what i hope to clean or heal and as a westerner like that was a, a the first time i've ever had the opportunity or felt safe or in a place that i could actually do that expound my suffering so to speak you know as time went on and that role switched and i was sitting there listening to people i had that same thing is like you know we're listening to people's trauma and a large majority of the people i would listen to they're so identified with that pain they've they've so wrapped themselves around the identity of no you know like the only reason i'm i'm unable to actually face this in life right now is because i still have this pain here when you still have that pain there yeah because you haven't turned around and addressed it and unidentified from it uh in my last couple of weeks i had a very interesting struggle i got this my palm leaf reading and you know got to hear some of my karma and to hear my karma is like it's like kind of going to the the school office and the principal is telling you well you know you you were doing this and you did this and you you know you cheated on this exam and this is <clears throat> and i felt 
very properly scolded. I was like, wow, like if I ever had an idea that I was, you know, at some level of any kind of spiritual path, like at any kind of level, it was demolished in that instant. And from there, I just took it. And man, if I listen to it again or Safa listens to it, you know, there's, she's like, well, what, why are you complaining? Why are you, why do you think this is such super bad karma for yourself? And I just, it wasn't, but I create, I made it worse. I made it worse by putting more weight on each of the, like, I'm just a shitty person. And it's not even what they said. I was just like, I'm just a shitty person. And I got stuck there. And I was stuck there for a good solid week and a half where I barely wanted to interact with people. I was like, I, wow. you know, all I want to do is sit in my room and <clears throat> try and remove my karma by praying and, and doing all these offerings. And, and I became obsessed with it, but then it, it turned into this identification with this idea that this person had said to me. And, and I took that to heart and then I recreated a new identity within myself as the suffering or as the negative karma. And I trapped myself and, and, and in that trap, I just, I berated myself and I'm not, I will admit I am not easy on myself in any way. Um, and I've been noticing that more and more in jujitsu, you know, Chase recently showed me this new exercise, how to move. And I just, I felt so stupid trying to move, just trying to move this very simple movement. And I just, it was so hard for my brain to wrap around. And I just berated myself and berated myself and berated myself and it actually stopped me from moving forward because I got so stuck beating myself up that I couldn't do something new. So, yeah, I mean, within, within our suffering, where is it that we identify or where is it that I identify with my challenge of the first, the next step? And I, and I often get caught on that next step because I'm choosing to question myself, to doubt myself, to fear whatever that next step may look like, even though I can't see where it is, I'm going to create this whole story around my next step and not even move. And I did that for a week and a half because of this whole reading, like basically just not sitting, just sitting there, just wow. basically shitting on myself, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and not taking the next step to move out of it. And, you know, I had Safa there and Safa tried to facilitate me out of it. And I just like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't take this. You know, I, it's, this is my karma. So I, I have to deal with this by myself. Only me. This is me right now. Here we go. I got to do it. And that limited me. And so, and actually we had this great conversation next to the river recently where I just like, I finally was able to explain what I'm doing to myself. And that actually helped me get out of doing that to myself. Mm -hmm. So what is it you're doing to yourself? So for you, it's just like about recognizing it, seeing it for what it is rather than being in it, but seeing what you're doing, seeing how, it... yeah. Um, or seeing, seeing the mechanism of it, like the mechanism of how I'm berating myself mm -hmm. and why, like if, if there's even a reason behind it. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I mean, the, the content around what I'm going through is just, Partly I'm just like unfulfilled with my 
what I'm doing day to day for, for work, for income. And, and the days go by and I, I just feel, I just feel, I just hate sitting in front of the computer all day working. And I, you know, reflecting on my time in Peru, like I was so blessed to be able to do, you know, facilitating retreats or organizing retreats and just like that kind of work where I'm working with people and not sitting in front of the computer all day and doing work that's like interesting and speaks to my soul. And right now I'm not doing that. And, and I, but I'm like afraid to, to, to stop the work I'm doing because I don't, in this current moments, I don't see any alternatives and, but it's a bit of a catch 22 because I don't have time to look for alternatives because I'm so busy with the work I'm doing. And, and, you know, the added layer to this is we have our a daughter <laughs> on the way in a few months and, you know, so I'm in some ways that makes it easier. Like I'm, there's a bigger purpose at play for the work that I'm doing. Um, but it also makes it more difficult to like, to just stop what I'm doing and figure out something else because it's clearly not, it's clearly not fulfilling me and causing me suffering. Uh, but the other side of that is, you know, there's some, 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 however I'm relating to this work, like I think I do have a choice in terms of how I relate to it, how I view it. And I think I beat myself up over how I manage my time as well. While the work is taking up a lot of my time, I certainly could carve out an hour or two each day to, you know, pursue other things. Like I'm really interested in cryptocurrency as, as we've talked about. And I signed up for this course online, but I haven't been doing it this past week because I've, you know, just been so busy. I'm in front of the computer all day. And so with my free time, I don't particularly want to sit in front of the computer for this course, but but I think that there are things that I can do better uh, in terms of how I manage my time. And I think I'm just kind of beating myself up for that. But then uh, it's, it's complicated, man. Um, I really miss Peru. I miss the, the lifestyle that we had there and, you know, the ability to have some more, more free time. And uh, here I just feel kind of like in this moment, I'm getting like coronavirus uh, fever, not from the virus, but like, you know, cabin fever. Uh, I'm just like, I feel like I'm in a cage and, you know, you can go outside and, and go to the park and all that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm just feeling kind of, I feel unfulfilled and I feel trapped in this moment. And it's funny because I mean, funny, I don't know if it's funny, but it's these feelings that led me to Peru and to plant medicine in the first place. It was just like this deep dissatisfaction with my life and my work and what I'm doing with my time. And, you know, and that led a chain reaction of decisions that led me to travel and led me to Peru and led to that whole different life. And now I'm just finding myself back in that, in the, that, those feelings but I don't really have the option to just drop it and leave because I have 
a wife and a daughter on the way. And so I really need to face these things. And, you know, I think that it's actually a beautiful opportunity if I really consider it to, instead of running away from something, but to actually face it and find my way through it and resolve this, whatever this is. Like, I, I think there's, life is calling me to find my, to really dive into something that deeply fulfills me. Uh, and it's really forcing me what I'm going through right now to find that because I can't, it's not sustainable for me to live this way, to feel this way, to spend my time this way. And so, mm. um, yeah, I think that there are things that, <clears throat> you know, I really miss jujitsu. I can't do that here right now. So, um, that was certainly something that really helped me because I had in Peru too, you know, there were times where I felt down and I was struggling, but you know, just getting it out on the mat really helps. So, but you know, I can find other ways to physically express energy, but it's just not the same, you know? Um, so yeah, cold showers. I've been starting to take those again. Super helpful. Love the cold water. It's certainly really feels like a reset and it activates my brain and gives me some clarity and you know I sprained my ankle a while ago but now I'm running again so that's helpful so there are practices I can do and it just comes down to managing my time and just kind of shifting my outlook and uh, you know recognizing this is temporary this current situation with how I'm working and how I'm earning in income and it's you know right now it's it's needed and I I can also be grateful for it because it is providing for us right now and opening the door for me to be able to spend time with my daughter when she's born, not, you know, save up some money now. So I have time. So we'll see where it goes, man, but that's the gist of it. Just kind of an existential crisis and uh, a repeat of these old feelings that I thought I, I thought I graduated from that. I thought I found, found the life where I didn't have to do things for money that I don't enjoy at all. So yeah, that's it. That's it, bro. <laughs> and thank you for sharing. <clears throat> you, uh, you're 40. So it's a, that midlife crisis. You got to buy a Corvette or something like Shit. that, you know, <laughs> go date somebody who's in their, you know, 19 or whatever. Some oh, weird yeah. shit. But people, people hit this naturally within their lifetime, even if everything is perfect, it's just, there's this, you know, I, I think of the cycles of astrology and how we hit this Uranus cycle. This Uranus cycle is like, the rebel, the, the awakener, the great shaker. Um, and I think you're more susceptible to that because of the diets you've done, because of the plant medicine, because of what you've opened in yourself to see as possibilities for your life. And what I hear too relates to our last podcast where we were talking about watching the crypto market. And right now the crypto market's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's super volatile. It's moving up and down. It's, it's acting crazy. I mean, it's acting crazy. But, you know, one thing we mentioned in our last one is like, as we hit those dips, you know, in our life, when we hit the dips, we start selling everything. Or at least I do. It's often like, 
you know, I don't have the money I want. I'm, my life is going to shit. I I'm not, you know, we're not we're holding workshops. We're just doing this and this. And it's like, I start selling. I'm like, Oh fuck, we should, I should give up on this completely and go some, do something else. I got to invest somewhere else <clears throat> instead of being like, in this moment, I'm actually, I know I'm investing in my future. I'm getting the rest that I need to be able to provide for people more. Um, I'm building up my finances, hopefully for that when in the future, you know, I have the complete time or the complete space to provide for my family or for my, whatever my endeavors. And, you know, as your candle dips right now into the red, it sounds like you're investing and you're, you're putting time and money into your potential to rise uh, for your coin to explode, so to speak. Um, but I think the hardest challenge within the, the, the red candles or the dipping down in the markets is, is what is the mechanism of my thought patterns that's actually pushing me further, my value devaluing me more or my time or my space or whatever I'm doing in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that metaphor is pretty applicable. Um, and I think the other part of just the struggle I'm going through is it's related to time management, but I don't feel like I have the time to invest in myself. And I just have a really low tolerance for this. Like, I think some people, you know, I've seen people, they're able to spend a whole career, their whole life, not enjoying their work so much, but they just do it. They go through the grind and then they retire. And I can barely tolerate it for a couple hours a day, man. <laughs> like, um, so... It's very clear to me that that it's very important that I live, you know, in alignment with my soul and what my deepest calling is in this life. And I'm also in a process of trying to find that again. And uh, because you know, Marta asked, she's like, well, if you, if you could just do anything and money wasn't a concern, what would you do? You know, that's always the question. And right now I think that I would, I just wouldn't do anything. I would just take a break for two weeks and just turn off the computer, turn off the phone and just sit there and allow some time and space for something, something wants to emerge but it's not. So I think that's what I would do right now. If I, if money wasn't a concern, I would just sit for two weeks and just be quiet and allow myself to hear what, what needs, like what wants to emerge out of me right now. That's what I really need. I need some space. So. Well, yeah. well this ties into like how we, you know, <clears throat> in the facilitating world, uh, especially when I was working with that in the large, larger center, I often found I had zero energy and zero time. And when I first started there, I was, I had a lot of time. I had a lot of energy. Uh, I was able to enjoy the community more, spend time with, with the people there, uh, enjoy some of the activities they had. I was doing permaculture, which was amazing. And as the demand of facilitating came in more and more, 
my energy level dropped to zero. Uh, my time was at zero. So I barely had a moment for myself to even like sit in my tumble and cry, <laughs> you know, just to like mm-hmm. express like how exhausted I am. And, and I think, you know, the women in my life that came in to really help me prioritize what's actually necessary in that. And I'm not saying it's not necessary to make money, but like you pointed out, the soul should be the priority. And if the soul isn't receiving what it needs, it drains the entirety of the energetic system. And so how, you know, how my question while I was there working was, wow, how do I, how, you know, how do I tell people I need this when I've been doing this and, you know, I have all this work that I have to do and I need just, I just need that. And that, that'll cut this down to this, you know, my amount of work, I'm making hand signals for this is audio. I forget it's audio. I, you know, I'm, I'm saying I have quantifiably a, a hundred things to do in a day and I only need 20 minutes or, you know, two hours to spend with myself, to sit down, uh, to enjoy my coffee, to, to actually sort myself out mentally. Um, cause like you said, you know, in that moment, there's something that needs to be birthed. And so when I had, you know, when Safa came to my life and helped me prioritize that, it was so clear what the next step was. Mm-hmm. I had the gap to actually figure, Oh, duh, I'm doing this. I'm actually like running into a wall versus, uh, looking at the door that's right next to me. And I guess I was just a lot of rambling, but like the question is, is how do you prioritize the investing back into this, the soul that you, you feel is lacking? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I just need to take a break, <laughs> like take a week off from I, I, you know, like I, we can afford for me to have a week off. And so I think that maybe that's what's being asked for right now from my soul, you know, is because, you know, we moved here from Peru. I arrived at the end of November and it's, I've just been pretty much nonstop since then. I mean, in terms of just working and, adjusting to this new life and this new place and Marta being pregnant and we're going through that and, and the baby's going to be here soon. And so, you know, there's kind of this last window of opportunity to really just have some quiet space for myself. Um, And I think that's what I need. You know, this conversation, I hadn't even thought about that, but (laughs) like, yeah, I could just use some, a break (laughs) You know, uh, it's been, for everybody, it's been such an intense year, you know, and there was a part of last year where I didn't have any work. I was looking for work, but even that was a struggle. And I was just like, everything was unsettled and I was integrating Africa. Like I haven't just had a break of just nothing. So I think that's what I need. Um, so we'll see if I if that can happen. The other challenge right now is we're looking desperately for a place to live. We only have uh, like a m- up to a month left in this place we're currently at. And it's been super hard. Like we had found this amazing apartment and it was going to work out and then it didn't work out. And because of the landlord, something happened for him. So 
So that's really, I think that's also the root of unsettling. Like we're both really unsettled from this. Like Marta's pregnant. She really wants to like nest, you know, and we, we, we're like trying, but we can't find a place. We're looking at a place on Tuesday, hopefully, but it's really frustrating. And uh, like deeply, I have faith that obviously we'll find something <laughs> worst case scenario. We'll move in with friends or something. I don't know, but. But yeah, that's also, that's a big piece, you know, the, and it's a fundamental human need of just shelter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, maybe once we get that by the end of the month, yeah, but I, I'll take a break. Nice. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, here, we, we just found the value in just sharing because I, I agree with that. There's you know, I, I'm looking at the overall structure of my life and what I was able to accumulate lots of, and that had a very limited value. And then things that I try to accumulate that have just limitless value. Uh, one of them is like the space and time for myself to sort myself out. Uh, it's, you know, the, there's no value to it. It's just, it's super important. Um, it's like, you can't put a value on time. Your time is your time. You, you only have a very limited supply of it and we don't. Yeah. And, and this is something I've always admired of you is just this. You've always had this amazing set. You always have this amazing set of priorities and you make sure those priorities come first and they're usually, you know, selfless, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, You've changed your whole life. You've moved to a whole new country. You're you're on a whole new train uh, into a new beginning. And it was completely, it's selfless, you know. And I think that's that holds incredible value. I think for people who are in the service industry, it's an incredible uh, gift to be able to do that. But at the same time, there comes a point where that service actually has to be brought back to us and in order for us to do anything for anyone else. And, you know, that goes for, for holding workshops that goes for any kind of work. It doesn't matter what kind of work, even if it's the most glorifying work in the world, there's a point where the battery runs low and there's a need to actually recharge as an individual Pisces, Piscean people are very much like this. So if you're a Pisces, a Pisces, you need that space to actually stop and be completely alone to recharge. Um, but again, that's just kind of a metaphor for anyone. Uh, I think you and I are, we use our minds quite a bit. And if our minds are in chaos and our life is, it's not as, you know, as enjoyable as we like, we actually, we abandon life to our mind. And as we enter our mind, we get caught in the ideals or the ideas of something different. And we get, we can get lost in that, or at least I can get lost in that every time mm -hmm. I, my mental world becomes my escape. I get lost in my mental world in the labyrinth there. And it's usually when I can actually step out of that, when I feel comfortable enough to sit down, to grab my coffee, to have my mapacho and just like stare at the grass blankly that something clicks. Um, and yeah, and I, and in no ways I, I'm not here to facilitate you. I just, I think your, your struggle is gold in that 
a lot of us are hitting this cabin Corona fever uh, or cabin fever. And we feel stuck and we feel blocked and we feel locked. I think the real question is, is like, how, how do I actually, even if I have 10 cents, how do I invest that 10 cents into my overall mental or spiritual goal or stability? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I know you're about to go into diet, uh, which I, you know, I think that's super valuable. And I think that's kind of what I'm being called to, whether it's it's a diet with plants or just a personal space diet in terms of, you know, diet, a digital detox diet and turning everything off and just staring at the grass for two weeks. Like that would be amazing. But um, yeah, you want to share more? I'd love to hear more about your diet and, you know, what, yeah, why you're, why you're going into diet and yeah, anything you want to share about that with the listeners. I think people are really interested in these processes with plant medicine and you know i think a lot of people don't realize that uh plant medicine practitioners providers also have to give themselves diets and space as well it's a crucial part of the process yeah absolutely i think I had a lot of illusions entering the path of plant medicine, working with, I don't know, ayahuasca. It's like, there should be a place where we're like, good, you know, it's like, everything's good. We're solid. And I don't need to worry about anything. I'm all happy and joyous and peaceful. And, uh, but I, I think that was a, my personal childish imagination of like storybook magic where the, you know, the, the young, seeker finds some wizard in the forest and learns how to be happy and he can manifest everything he desires. It's a bunch of nonsense, but, but it actually, it it totally ties into, to just what we're talking about. Cause I, yeah, there, we hit these places where we have to recharge our batteries and, you know, all the maestros at the temple do the same thing is like they hit this place where they've used so much of their battery that they can go into ceremony and they, it can sound the same, you know, they can sing to people. It can sound the same, but there's no medicine. There. There's no Rao. There's nothing to, to actually feed the person or to help them to heal. And, and man, I really, I haven't been super busy. I'm not like running around working tons, but I have been very busy in my, my mental activities. And what I like about diet is that it gives me an opportunity to set everything down. (laughs) I'm not allowed to think about normal Felix or the, the Felix life or the Felix problems. I have to set it down to just concentrate, um, and to rest. And yeah, I mean, as we've talked about diets before, we, you know, we set this intention with this specific plant that we're working with, And we isolate ourselves. We have a very simple diet. Like we don't eat very much. Uh, you don't ingest media. We don't ingest bad thoughts. <laughs> we don't ingest uh, imaginations. We really have to set it all down. And if anything of value really comes from diet, it shows you what is important in life. Uh, 
And I mean that like after I set down my phone and I stopped worrying about the global state of crisis and start gardening and start weeding out my garden here, my physical garden, not my fake, not my, my spiritual garden. Well, that too. Um, but I just kind of focus on my yard while I'm dieting and I just sit there quietly and pull weeds out and things just get quieter and quieter and quieter. And I often find that during my struggles, like during the struggles of this coronavirus and the challenges of these last year and a half ish, um, I've created a lot of mental noise and agitation because of trying to change the world by sitting on my couch, drinking coffee and eating, you know, smoking mapachos. And all that did was push me further into the mental world of creating imaginations for what I wish things would look like. And so, yeah, in these next two weeks, I'm going to set that all down and hopefully just begin to remember I'm happy to be alive <laughs> as the simplest squares thing uh, to really enjoy that. Um, I mean, diets provide so much more, but I think just being, you know, my current state and, and where I'm at, uh, yeah, I feel that's super necessary. Uh, I don't give myself space to, to just set my thoughts down for, I don't need them. I don't, I don't know why I put so much, like, I just kind of like kind of a hoarder of thoughts. I have this whole, (laughs) you know, encyclopedia Britannica of thoughts that just constantly circle through my brain that's a problem of my memory it's just so full and because of that i often don't even live now i'm just like searching through the entire vast encyclopedia britannica for no reason it's just i'm perusing i'm looking at pictures uh and so this actually gives me the opportunity to read some of it and hopefully to write something new mm-hmm that's really that's a uh, well put and yeah it just reminds me uh that's what i love about diets a lot of my diets i mean you can you know the plants help with this process but a lot of my diets i would spend the first 3 days detoxing my brain and thoughts and a lot of times uh yeah i spend several days just like thoughts 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 just going so many thoughts being expressed and expressed and those first three days are often the hardest part of the diet um and there's you know my habits you know typically i don't you know day-to-day life when my thoughts are going all day and i just avoid them or i distract myself you know i'll get on the computer and whether i'm working or just like reading the news or listening to a podcast like I'm never allowing that energy of the mind to just express itself without interference, without distraction to just let it happen, you know, and in diet, there's no choice, but to just sit there because the idea is to not have the phone, not have the computer, not have anything to distract with. I mean, I can stare at the wall, stare at the grass and that's it. And eventually, you know, with the help of the plants, I think that, at least the plants I've dieted, uh, it helps to it just express it at a faster rate. And then this peace and clarity emerge, you know, uh, after those f- few intense days. And that's what I'm looking for, because that's, 
yeah, it's from that space that from that space of peace and clarity that I think like truth emerges in terms of like, okay, what do I want to do for a living? Like, what do I want to create? What wants to emerge? Like I can create space for that to emerge by taking space away from everything uh, that's feeding this mental energy. That's just like, because it's so interesting. There's this excess mental energy and what do I do with it? I feed it more. I just keep feeding it with distractions and reading and podcasts and movies and, and then work. And it's just like, it's such a strange concept that the, the way to avoid the excess mental energy is to feed more mental energy into it, you know, (laughs) but I need to give it space. I got to let it work itself out, man, and come back to, you know, come back to ground zero, come back to, uh, that clarity. And so I think that's, this conversation is just pointing me towards that, that I need to, uh, take it, take space, maybe just do a diet actually diet for myself. And yeah, just clear, clear it out, clear out the brain for a little bit. I do feel I need to just clear, clear, and then just like come back into alignment within and Shit, that's what the diets do. You know, we have these tools and I'm often, I don't always think to turn to them right away because it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. Diets are hard. Drinking these medicines is hard. And, uh, but, you know, it's the same kind of hard as like the way, you know, like taking a cold shower is hard, but the outcome feel, I feel so good. It feels amazing. It feels so healthy. So. I think I just need to face that and get through that. So, yeah, I think it's, I, yeah. Yeah. Talk about you're going to do a diet. It just really, that really speaks to me. That's really what I need right now. Yeah, totally. And, I, and, and, you know, the beauty of it too, is like, you know, and we're trying to, especially in facilitating, like we're trying to shy away more and more from trying to give an answer to people as far as like what we think they need or what, you know, like my idea of what this person's life should look like in the bend. And what dieting does is it gives, it gives us that space to one spin, like you said, that get rid of that excess mental energy to come to a place where we actually have this self-realized or the self, uh, actualized answer, like something self-created. It doesn't come from somebody else. I mean, there's, there's help in the plant, but a lot of that is it just pulling it from this place that we, we reach, uh, through as, as Sui says, this got a gun or, you know, discharge, uh, discharging. Yeah. The mind. Um, yeah. And man, you, you have, yeah, you have that in your, your repertoire mm-hmm. and your belt, yeah. it, it, but it's so hard. I, I totally agree with that. That just that initial, like, facing the door of like what you know is behind it you're always like oh god like it's much easier yeah to me it's a lot easier to go to have someone hold my diet like for me to go to my teacher and diet with him a self-diet is like really hard man it's um because you know when i'm dieting with my teacher i'm sitting there i'm in Firstly, the the location is not my home. I'm in a dedicated place for diets. 
and every day the teacher shows up and he gives me my cup of medicine. And so, and he's going to sit there until I drink it. So I got to drink it. And also just having him holding that space, it just seems to go down easier. But, you know, I really think the kind of the next level on this path is like once, you know, once I became quote unquote, like certified, or, you know, I, I got to the point of being able to serve medicine, serving myself medicine is the next level of hard, uh, especially in the context of a diet, like to do that for a full, you know, period of time, whether it's a week or two weeks is, yeah, that's really hard <laughs> because it's like, I am my, I'm my own maestro. So I'm holding space for myself to go through all this shit. You know, it's like, wow. Ah, but it's good. We're hard enough on ourselves as it is without diet. So we put, <laughs> you had an extra element to it and it's like, you really got to be strict. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's like a, a, like a, I don't know, a gentle and compassionate way to do that to kind of hold space for myself, but there is an element that of like, there has to be some kind of strict boundary with myself that I like every day at this time, I have to drink this medicine. And, you know, because it's so easy to just say, oh, you know what, I'll just end it today. Like to, to serve that medicine. And I, if I'm only accountable to myself, that's the thing. I'm great when I'm accountable to other people. But when I'm accountable to myself, uh, that's that's interesting. That's really hard. It's hard mm. for me to uh, follow through for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like gold right there, man. That was that was gold. Mm -hmm. That's some gold. That's some gold right there. Well, also we had a, a little question on our Facebook page uh, from a listener named Gail asking about personalized Rawanintis or uh, personalized Pusangas, personalized perfumes. Mm -hmm. And we did, we did talk a little bit about it on the locals page. We did a 30 minute segment talking about Rawaninti or perfume Pusangas uh, and different plants. But I would like to hear more of, of your perspective on Pusangas and, and how you guys utilize them in your tradition. If they utilize them in the tobacco, tobacco tradition uh, or with Wachuma, uh, and, and what you see the value in those. Yeah. So firstly, um, can you, uh, what can you translate for the listeners? Rao Ininti. Yeah. Rao Ininti translates to medicine perfume, literally <laughs> medicine perfume. That's in that's Shipibo. Yeah. 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 You know, actually in the, tobacco lineage I learned from, uh, at least from my teacher, there wasn't much emphasis placed on perfumes. You know, he taught me how to make my own and, you know, starting with like a base citrica, like a base smelling perfume and then adding different plants and roots to it. And, um, but in that tradition, at least from what I could tell, it's like, you know, the, each maestro will make their own perfume for themselves in terms of, which helps to bring, you know, protection. Uh, and it can also be used to kind of just like clear oneself energetically. But a lot of it's about protection. And 
energetic protection. And so if you have a perfume that you made and you put a lot of intention to it and it has these certain plants in it, there's just a quality. Um, and, and I sense it when I wear my, my personal perfume that I made, I just, it's hard to explain, you know, maybe you can explain it better, but it just, I just, it creates this protective field around me. And that's just coming from the plants and the smells. Um, but the lineage I learned from at least what I learned from my teacher so far and what I've seen, they don't make, it's not a part of it to really make personalized perfumes for people. Um, it's really for the maestro, for the, for the, for their own, for their own process to use the perfumes in terms of, uh, protection and, you know, the plants, like the spirits of the plants love these smells too. And it helps to keep your guides and plant guides close by, like they're with you, you know, when you, with the perfume. So the spirits love the perfume as well. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think you would have more to share on that, Felix. Uh, <clears throat> uh, kind of a key thing to remember with uh, smells is good spirits like good smells, bad spirits like bad smells. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I kind of say that to, to most people who are like, why am I putting this on my, you know, this weird, cheap, uh, what's it called, uh, aftershave on my body? every night before bed, you know, when we go out to diet with Sui, he, he explained it to us like this, like for, for dieters, especially, and for people who are working with plant medicines or where people are pretty sensitive, like you should use your Rowan and tea, like you, you brush your teeth. You should go on every morning and every night, or before you go out or before you do anything, you should always have your Rowan and tea on. Uh, in many ways. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's kind of like putting a little bit of body armor on for the day, a little bit of a buffer uh, as we start to face the energies of the world. And man, the more you become sensitive to it or, you know, after you drink medicine, you start to realize like the energetic component of how connected our world is. And so if you go out and you go out to, I don't know, have a coffee at a, at a place and you start to feel really tired, even though you're drinking a coffee, you start to feel like kind of heavy and tired. Well, that could be because somebody courted you, or that could be because, uh, energetically that, that coffee house was pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, so that Rowan into will actually help us put a little bit of a barrier in between us and the energetics of the world and personalized Rowan into is like, or personalized, uh, Pusangas or, or perfumes are, are essential. It's like, this is how we, in some cases, start to build a relationship with a plant that we don't know. Uh, I know one of our listeners mentioned using the flower of Toei or Datura. And yeah, it's, it's an, an incredibly powerful plant. It's an incredibly powerful medicine. Um, but I guess during the initial stages, like I recommend trying like lavender or uh, uh, cedar or uh, what's it called? Marigolds these really aromatic, very beautiful plants, they have a lot of light. And so our Rowanentes or our perfumes, they become our uh, kind of our life support <laughs> during, during our days. I, I may dip down mentally. I may have like headaches during the day because of some energy. And I go to my Rowanente and I pray. I'm like, okay, 
Rowan and T, you know, help me to, to open my mind, open my heart, help me to stay balanced, help me to stay clear. Um, help me to rebring back my energy. Uh, and those little things, they help because yeah, everything, everything you do every single day is some kind of energetic exchange. And some people are a bit more greedy in their energetic exchanges and they take a lot. And in those people, we have to just make sure we put a little extra route and empty on and those exchanges become less and less. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's such a multifaceted thing. And, you know, another <clears throat> Rao and Inti that we use is Mapacho or Otromwe, uh, tobacco. Tobacco is, it has a smell, it has a very incredible perfume for spirits. They love it. Uh, and I know for you as a tobacco, like you understand more uh, the value of tobacco and how it's, how it does nourish and how it does clean and how it does protect. Um, it's another form. It doesn't have to be like a, a cheap aftershave. It's just, it's a good thing that plants like to smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, incense, incense are raunentes. They're medicine smells. They bring joy. Nag champa for me always makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that, and, you know, culturally, you know, non-shamanic cultures or, you know, the West, quote unquote, Western cultures, like we, we put a lot of emphasis on the way we look and the way things look and the way the house looks. Um, but, but less emphasis on this other sense, which is smell and adding smell, like intentional smells, good smells brings a whole new dimension to our experience, our day-to-day experience. And so if you're constantly surrounded by really fragrant, really smells that, make you happy that smell good whether it's on your person as a perfume that you know uh or incense like that that also just brings another dimension to the day-to-day experience and we don't think about smell because we're obsessed with what we can see um but smell uh is also really really important and you know i'm not saying to wear axe perfume all day because that (laughs) But intentional, uh, intentional like plant-based uh, rawinintis, perfumes, and anyone can make these. You know, you can start with, you know, just a, a, a non-fragrant base and then macerate different flowers in it. Or, you know, there's some really fragrant, fragrant like tubers, roots. That's a lot of like the perfume that I made in Peru is like from these different tubers, like, um, and I think, I don't know if those exist everywhere, but in the Amazon, there's all these super fragrant roots, you know, like, um, Motileo and, uh, uh, Piri Piri, Piri Piri. uh, there's another like pop something, Papa something. Um, but, but yeah, so to, to explore that, uh, making your own with intention, really helpful. You know, it's funny. I always, I'll recommend these things for people, but I, often just totally don't do it myself (laughs) and I know it works. Like I recommend it because I know it's helpful, but it's, you know, this conversation again is just, you know, I just had a conversation with someone where they were telling me what's going on for them. And I was like, you know, I think actually tobacco would be really helpful for you uh, to have a ceremony with tobacco. And, and yet I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. And, and 
I know tobacco is going to be helpful, but I'm so, it's just so hard to drink it. <laughs> Even though I've drank it hundreds of times and I serve it. Um, but I find the, mo the more repulsive the idea of drinking it is, the more I need it. The, 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 the stronger the experience will be and the better the outcome. So uh, it's what I need. So I think I'm going to have to do a diet. So thanks for inspiring me, Felix. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to talk these things through and then the clarity and the solution emerge. Totally. Totally. And and it's funny because you, as a final point though, you really have pointed out like the challenge of us taking that cup or whatever it is of that medicine. Like for the listeners, it, it is a real thing. Like it is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like we do you know, Al and I both aspire to continue to better ourselves, but that, that test or that challenge of taking that cup is hard, is very challenging. Yeah. Um, Being accountable to yourself. Yes. The gold. Yeah. Because if it's hard, if I drink that tobacco and I have an extreme physical response, which can happen, it's like, and this has happened before when I drank by myself, it's like, well, it's just me. <laughs> so you really face, you know, for me, it's also facing a lot of uh, fear as well, you know, and just really mm -hmm. facing like trusting, like ultimately do I trust myself? And, you know, it really highlights a lot of these things. Um, so I think that's a good question to leave this podcast on for me, you know, to explore maybe our listeners as well. Like, are you accountable to yourself? as much as you are to others. Oof. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Cause I don't, I'm not very accountable to myself. So yeah, I'm going to explore that. And um, I wish you a beautiful diet, my man. And it's going to be amazing. So happy for you. And yeah, we'll see you on the other side of it. Yeah. Awesome. And then I'm going to schedule my diet probably for next month, but I'm going to do that. Well, yeah. I'm going to hold you accountable. All right. Thanks. That's easier <laughs> than myself. So you hold me accountable. Thanks, bro. It makes it easier. <laughs> well, I love you, man. I love thank you, you too, so man. much. Yeah. And thanks. Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, it feels good to be back on the, on the beyond words train again. So we'll totally. see you next time, everybody. See Peace you next out. time. Ciao.